The reading comes from John's Gospel, chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading in the Message Bible, so it's not the Pew Bible, and I will in fact be starting on in verse 4. To get to Galilee, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sychar, a Samaritan village, that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His, his disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw water with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you better than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. Jesus said, Go, call your husband, and then come back. I have no husband, she said. Oh, that's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshipped God at this mountain. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father, neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of the day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has in fact come when what you're called to, called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth 
That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before God in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe Jesus was talking with that kind of a woman. No one said what they were thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come, see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Anthony. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, if you are observant, you will notice that I am missing somebody. Uh, you may be expecting that Lydia was going to be uh, uh, speaking this morning. I was expecting that Lydia was going to be speaking uh, this morning. Unfortunately, she's not very well, uh, and, uh, and so she's at home resting uh, as she recovers. So uh, you've drawn the short straw, perhaps, and got me instead. Uh, I'm sure she will speak to us at another time. Let's pray together as we think about this passage some more. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness of it. We thank you for this story that we've heard this morning and the many things that you could speak to us about through it. Lord, would you help us to focus, uh, particularly on one or two of them. Help us to know uh, your voice through this passage, what's speaking into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've got three things that I want us to think about this morning, but it's a long passage. I'm thank thankful for Anthony for reading it to us. Uh, it's a fantastic story, which I'm sure many of you uh, will know. Uh, and there are so many things that we could think about. I want to focus particularly on three. The first one gives me the opportunity to show you this card. Uh, I've told you before that I have a love of cards. Without question, this is my most favorite card in the whole world. At the door, there's two people saying, have you found Jesus? If you look at the left-hand curtain, uh, you may spot why I love this card. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I also have a book called Finding Jesus. I think it's from the same people that create the Where's Wally series. If not, they probably ought to pay some copyright things. Uh, it's along the same lines. Each of the pages has lots of people in it. Uh, and the idea is that you need to find Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a go at one of these. Um, this is just to help you. This is what Jesus looks like in these books. Now, I appreciate it's unlikely that he actually looked like that. For the representation of this image, it's how he looks in this image. Let's put the next image up. And see if, I realize it's quite small, this is actually a quarter of the image, so try and help a little. Who can spot Jesus first? You got him?
That wasn't quite right. That was a guess of the boat in the middle, and it wasn't quite right. Go on. Go on, Kate. Yes, well done, Kate. Number 17 flag, just to the right. Seen it? Yes, good, marvelous. Why? We can take that off now. It's all right. So, well, I'll give it a moment. There we are. Make sure everything. There we are. You can see it later. Why have, why, have we, why have I shown you those? Well, because sometimes it can be hard for us to spot Jesus in our daily lives. This woman at the well, at the, at the well this Samaritan woman, didn't recognize who Jesus was. And sometimes when life, particularly when life feels like the pages of this book, busy and uh, quite chaotic and, and fairness, most of the pages quite stressful, it can be really hard for us to see Jesus at work. Sometimes life can be really hard and we focus so much on getting on and getting through that we don't look for Jesus in our daily lives. I've talked about here before a time when I was at college and Jess and I uh, went through some illness together. Uh, that was a really hard, difficult time in our family life. And yet, without question, when we came back from the hospital and over the next 10 days or so, food just seemed to miraculously arrive at our doors uh, from friends. Gifts arrived, flowers arrived, cards arrived. In that difficulty, we saw God at work through the lives of our friends. If we look hard enough, sometimes we need to look to see Jesus at work in our lives. But he is always at work amongst us. One of the favorite things I've heard said in this church by one of the congregation, um, usually in reference to hearing God speak, but I think it's same here, is that hearing God speak or seeing God at work is not about turning God up. It's about turning everything else down. And sometimes we just need to turn down the stuff that's going on around us to see God at work amongst us. So that's the first thing I want us to think about. Are we recognizing Jesus at work in our daily lives? Now, for my second point, I want to play a short, a short game, uh, and you all get to play. Uh, it's called Two Truths and a Lie. I'm going to tell you three statements about myself. One of them is not true, and you need to work out which one is not true. Uh, let's uh, put the, the slide on the board. So, of these three, the first one, I crashed my car uh, on my first driving test. The second one, I had to have a Lego brick surgically removed from my body. Or thirdly, I have in my life sold double glazing door to door. Those three things. Two of those are true, unbelievably. One of those is not true. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up for the one that you think is not true. If you're a student in the room and you're on the student weekend, you know the answer to this, so you're not allowed to play. Um, <laughs> but let's have a go. First one, who thinks that I did not crash my car on my first driving test? Okay. About, about roughly a third of you, about right. Uh, who thinks that I did not have a Lego brick surgically removed from my body? Mm, slightly less, okay. And who thinks I didn't used to sell double glazing door to door? Oh, probably the winner, that one. Well, I did used to sell double glazing uh, door to door. And I have had a Lego brick surgically removed from my body. When I was four years old, I put a very small Lego brick up my nostril. And being quite resourceful, I thought I would blow it out. So I put a finger over this nostril and then breathed in. Uh, and it got very, very stuck. And I had, to have, I had to go in general anesthetic and a slice done. I think it was this nostril, actually. A slice on my nose and it to be removed. <laughs> why, why are we playing that game? 
Well, Jesus knows every single thing about me. He knew which of those two things were true and which one was false. By the way, I passed my driving test on the first time. Uh, thanks for those of you who put your hand up for that one. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, Jesus knows which of those things were true and which were not true. Jesus knows everything about this woman in our story. He talks about her husbands uh, and, and about her current person that she's currently with. Jesus knows every single thing about all of us. He knows us. The creator of the universe knows us and he loves us. Despite the fact that we hear about frequently through the scriptures how Jews and Samaritans didn't mix, Jesus talks to, welcomes, loves this lady in the same way as he loves each of us, even though he knows everything that we've done in the secret and in the light. He also knows and loves everyone that's not in this building, that's outside this place. If we know that we are known, if we know uh, that God fully knows us and fully loves us, how are we doing at helping other people to know that. That's the point of Thy Kingdom Come uh, week, is to see God's kingdom come in our country, in our world. And there's all sorts of ways we can get, uh, get involved in this. The first and primary thing we need to do is to pray. There has been no revival in the whole of history that has happened without a bedrock of prayer. And that's why the archbishops are calling the church to prayer. And of course, you can come along to those events that I talked about earlier. But there'll be other things that I'd love you to think about doing in these 10 days that start on Thursday. You could commit 10 days of spending an hour each day in quiet praying uh, for the world. You could uh, commit to praying for your neighbors specifically. Maybe tell them that you're praying for them. As a family, you could spend 10 days uh, together. We've got these prayer activity prayer maps we'll give you on the way out, uh, which can guide those prayers over the 10 days. You could, thinking about the ecology in the world, thinking about the, the, the way that the, we interact with the resources that God has given us, um, consider being plastic-free for 10 days and praying for the world and for those, particularly those in leadership, uh, and as, as you do so, all sorts of ways. That's not an exhaustive list. I'll send an email with some suggestions later in the week. All sorts of ways. What the matters is that we all engage in these, particularly these 10 days in praying for our world, that the world would know uh, that they are known and that they are loved by Jesus. Now, uh, Jesus goes on to talk to this woman about worshipping in spirit and truth. And of course, it's important uh, for us to worship God with our whole selves, our heads as well as our hearts. Uh, but I want to, just for the last uh, point this morning, think about the very last couple of verses that Anthony read to us. Let me just read them to you again. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left behind her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. This woman has an encounter with Jesus, and that encounter transforms her. And also, the excitement of that encounter spills out so that she goes and shares uh, with other people. I wonder if any of you know who this person is. If you come to the midweek service, you might recognize him because I've shared this at a midweek before, but not, I don't think, on a Sunday. 
This is a chap called Shane Taylor. Uh, Shane was, until recently, known as the most dangerous man in Britain. His life of crime began at, began at 10 years old when he started stealing cars. Uh, he was arrested and was so dangerous in prison uh, that he had to be fed through a small hatch in the door uh, with armed guards on, on the other side. That's how dangerous uh, he was. Sean encountered Jesus on an Alpha course uh, in the prison through the Bible and through an Alpha course. And he broke down in tears, realizing his behavior an encounter that changed his life and then went on to change the lives of countless others. Shane now runs an amazing prison ministry, working with people who were like him uh, and helping them to encounter Jesus for ourselves. When we encounter Jesus, it should transform our lives. It's a really good thing. We should want to tell others about it. How many of us have had our lives transformed by a thing, a mobile phone, a fantastic mobile phone, or a type of computer? If I told you that if you rang a phone number and they would send you a check for £100, you would phone that, if you trusted me, you would phone that phone number and get the £100, and then you would tell everybody you know about that phone number. Jesus is far better than £100, far better than £4 billion, far better than a good computer or a good phone. Encountering Jesus should spill out of us into this world. And so that's my last question for us to think about uh, this morning, is when we recognize Jesus at work in our lives, when we encounter him, when we know that we are fully known and fully loved, does that encounter spill out of us into the world around us? I'm going to pray for us on those three questions uh, before we sing again. Lord, we thank you that you are at work in all of our lives, even when we don't see you. We thank you that you know us, that you love us, that we are fully known by you and fully loved by you. Help us to recognize you at work in our lives. Help us to recognize our encounter with you. And would you fill us with joy and with excitement for you and for your word? So much so that it does spill out of us into the world around us. So help us to see you at work, to know that we are known, and to share your love with others, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.